0: section 24 of la Semoire. this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org recording by anna simon la Semoire by emile zola translated by ernest a Vestelli. chapter 6 one afternoon in the autumn Gervaise, who had been taking some washing home to a customer in the rue de porte blanche found herself at the bottom of the rue de poissonniers just as the day was declining. It had rained in the morning, the weather was very mild, and an odour rose from the greasy pavement, and the laundress, burdened with her big basket, was rather out of breath, slow of step, and inclined to take her ease as she ascended the street with a vague preoccupation of a longing increased by her weariness. She would have liked to have had something to eat. Then, on raising her eyes, she beheld the name of the Rue Marcadet, and she suddenly had the idea of going to see Goujet at his forge. He had no end of times told her to look in any day she was curious to see how iron was wrought. Besides, in the presence of other workmen, she would ask for Etienne, and make believe that she had merely called for the youngster. The factory was somewhere on this end of the rue Marcadet, but she didn't know exactly where, and street numbers were often lacking on those ramshackle buildings separated by vacant lots. She wouldn't have lived on this street for all the gold in the world, It was a wide street, but dirty, black with soot-from factories, with holes in the pavement, and deep ruts filled with stagnant water. On both sides were rows of sheds, workshops with beams and brickwork exposed, so that they seemed unfinished, a messy collection of masonry. Besides them were dubious lodging-houses, and even more dubious taverns. All she could recall was that the bolt factory was next to a yard full of scrap iron and rags, a sort of open sewer spread over the ground, storing merchandise worth hundreds of thousands of francs, according to Goujet. The street was filled with a noisy racket. Exhaust pipes on roofs puffed out violent jets of steam. An automatic sawmill added a rhythmic screeching. A button factory shook the ground with the rumbling of its machines. She was looking up toward the Montmartre height, hesitant, uncertain whether to continue, when a gust of wind blew down a mass of sooty smoke that covered the entire street. She closed her eyes and held her breath. At that moment she heard the sound of hammers in cadence. Without realizing it, she had arrived directly in front of the bold factory, which she now recognized by the vacant lot beside it, full of piles of scrap-iron and rolled rags. She still hesitated, not knowing where to enter." A broken fence opened a passage which seemed to lead through the heaps of rubbish from some buildings recently pulled down. Two planks had been thrown across a large puddle of muddy water that barred the way. She ended by venturing along them, turned to the left, and found herself lost in the depths of a strange forest of old carts standing on end with their shafts in the air, and of hovels in ruins, the woodwork of which was still standing. Toward the back, stabbing through the half-light of sundown, a flame gleamed red the clamour of the hammers had ceased she was advancing carefully when a workman his face blackened with coal dust and wearing a goatee passed near her casting a side glance with his pale eyes sir asked she it's here is it not that a boy named echen works he's my son "Etienne," echen repeated the workman in a hoarse voice as he twisted himself about echen no i don't know him an alcoholic reek like that from old brandy casks issued from his mouth. Meeting a woman in this dark corner seemed to be giving the fellow ideas, and so Gervaise drew back, saying, "'But yet it's here that M. Goujet works, isn't it?' "'Ah, Goujet," yes,' said the workman. "'I know Goujet. If you come for Goujet, go right to the end.' And turning round, he called out at the top of his voice, which had a sound of cracked brass, "'I say, golden mug,' "'Here's a lady wants you!' But a clanging of iron drowned the cry. Gervaise went to the end. She reached the door and, stretching out her neck, looked in. At first she could distinguish nothing. The forge had died down, but there was still a little glow which held back the advancing shadows from its corner. Great shadows seemed to float in the air. At times black shapes passed before the fire, shutting off this last bit of brightness, silhouettes of men so strangely magnified that their arms and legs were indistinct.' gervaise not daring to venture in called from the doorway in a faint voice monsieur Gouget! monsieur Gouget!' suddenly all became lighted up beneath the puff of the bellows a jet of white flame had ascended and the whole interior of the shed could be seen walled in by wooden planks with openings roughly plastered over and brick walls reinforcing the corners coal-ash had painted the whole expanse a sooty grey Spider-webs hung from the beams like rags hung up to dry, heavy with the accumulated dust of years. On shelves along the walls, or hanging from nails, or tossed into corners, she saw rusty iron, battered implements and huge tools. The white flame flared higher, like an explosion of dazzling sunlight revealing the trampled dirt underfoot, where the polished steel of four anvils, fixed on blocks, took on a reflection of silver sprinkled with gold. Then Gervaise recognized Goujet in front of the forge, by his beautiful yellow beard. Etienne was blowing the bellows. Two other workmen were there, but she only beheld Gouget, and walked forward, and stood before him. "'Why, it's Madame Gervaise!' he exclaimed with a bright look on his face. "'What a pleasant surprise!' But, as his comrades appeared to be rather amused, he pushed Etienne towards his mother, and resumed, "'You have come to see the youngster?' He behaves himself well. He's beginning to get some strength in his wrists. Well, she said, it isn't easy to find your way here. I thought I was going to the end of the world. After telling her about her journey, she asked why no one in the shop knew Etienne's name. Goujère laughed and explained to her that everybody called him Little Zuzu because he had his hair cut short like that of a zouave. While they were talking together, Etienne stopped working the bellows, and the flame of the forge dwindled to a rosy glow amid the gathering darkness. Touched by the presence of this smiling young woman, the blacksmith stood gazing at her. Then, as neither continued speaking, he seemed to recollect and broke the silence. Excuse me, Madame Gervaise. I've something that has to be finished. You'll stay, won't you? You're not in anybody's way. She remained. Etienne returned to the bellows. The forge was soon ablaze again with a cloud of sparks, the more so as the youngster, wanting to show his mother what he could do, was making the bellows blow a regular hurricane. standing up watching a bar of iron heating, was waiting with the tongs in his hand. The bright glare illuminated him without a shadow, sleeves rolled back, shirt-neck open, bare arms and chest. When the bar was at white heat, he seized it with the tongs and cut it with a hammer on the anvil, in pieces of equal length, as though he had been gently breaking pieces of glass. Then he put the pieces back into the fire, from which he took them one by one to work them into shape. He was forging hexagonal rivets, He placed each piece in a tool-hole of the anvil, bent down the iron that was to form the head, flattened the six sides, and threw the finished rivet still red-hot onto the black earth, where its bright light gradually died out, and this with a continuous hammering, wielding in his right hand a hammer weighing five pounds, completing a detail at every blow, turning and working the iron with such dexterity that he was able to talk to and look at those about him. The anvil had a silvery ring. Without a drop of perspiration, Quite at his ease, he struck in a good-natured sort of a way, not appearing to exert himself more than on the evenings when he cut out pictures at home. "'Oh, these are little rivets of twenty millimeters," said he, in reply to Gervaise's questions. A fellow can do this three hundred a day, but it requires practice, for one's arm soon grows wary.' And when she asked him if his wrist did not feel stiff at the end of the day, he laughed aloud. "'Did she think him a young lady?' this wrist had had plenty of drudgery for fifteen years past it was now as strong as the iron implements it had been so long in contact with she was right though a gentleman who had never fought a rivet or a bolt and who would try to show off with his five-pound hammer would find himself precious stiff in the course of a couple of hours it did not seem much but a few years of it often did for some very strong fellows during this conversation the other workmen were also hammering away altogether their tall shadows danced about in the light the red flashes of the iron that the fire traversed, the gloomy recesses, clouds of sparks darted out from beneath the hammers, and shone like suns on a level with the anvils. And Gervaise, feeling happy and interested in the movement round the forge, did not think of leaving. She was going a long way round to get nearer to Etienne without having her hands burned, when she saw the dirty and bearded workman whom she had spoken to outside enter. "'So you found him, madame?' asked he in his drunken, bantering way. "'You know, golden mug, "'It's I who told Madame where to find you.' He was called Salted Mouth, otherwise Drink Without Thirst, the Brick of Bricks, a dab hand at bolt-forging, who wetted his iron every day with a pint and a half of brandy. He had gone out to have a drop, because he felt he wanted greasing to make him last till six o'clock. When he learned that little Zuzu's real name was Etienne, he thought it very funny, and he showed his black teeth as he laughed. Then he recognized Gervaise. Only the day before he had had a glass of wine with Coupeau, You could speak to Coupeau about salted mouth otherwise drink without thirst. He would at once say, He's a jolly dog. Ah, that joker Coupeau! He was one of the right sort. He stood treat oftener than his turn. I'm awfully glad to know you're his missus, added he. He deserves to have a pretty wife, eh, Golden Mug? Madame is a fine woman, isn't she? He was becoming quite gallant, sidling up towards the laundress, who took hold of her basket and held it in front of her so as to keep him at a distance. Gouger! Annoyed, and seeing that his comrade was joking because of his friendship for Gervaise, called out to him, I say, lazy bones, what about the forty-millimeter bolts? Do you think you're equal to them now that you've got your gullet full, you confounded guzzler? The blacksmith was alluding to an order for big bolts which necessitated two beaters at the anvil. I'm ready to start at this moment, big baby, replied Salted Mouth, otherwise drink without thirst. It sucks its thumb and thinks itself a man. In spite of your size, I'm equal to you. "'Yes, that's it, at once. Look sharp, and off we go.' "'Right you are, my boy.' They taunted each other, stimulated by Gervaise's presence. Guiget placed the pieces of iron that had been cut beforehand in the fire. Then he fixed a tool-hole of a large bore on an anvil. His comrade had taken from against the wall two sledge-hammers weighing twenty pounds each, the two big sisters of the factory, whom the workers called Fifine and Adele and he continued to brag, talking of a half gross of rivets which he had forged for the Dunkirk lighthouse, regular jewels, things to be put in a museum. They were so daintily finished off. Hang it all, no! He did not fear competition. Before meeting with another chap like him, you might search every factory in the capital. They were going to have a laugh. They would see what they would see. "'Madame will be judge,' said he, turning towards the young woman. "'Enough chattering,' cried Goujet. "'Now then, Zuzu, show your muscle.' not hot enough my lad but salted mouth otherwise drink without thirst asked so we strike together not a bit of it each his own bolt my friend this statement operated as a damper and gujess comrade on hearing it remained speechless in spite of his boasting bolts of forty millimeters fashioned by one man had never before been seen the more so as the bolts were to be round-headed a work of great difficulty a real masterpiece to achieve the three other workmen came over leaving their jobs to watch a tall lean one wagered a bottle of wine that kugier would be beaten meanwhile the two blacksmiths had chosen their sledgehammers with eyes closed because fifine weighed a half pound more than didel saltmouth otherwise drink without thirst had the good luck to put his hand on didel fifine fell to golden mug while waiting for the iron to get hot enough saltmouth otherwise drink without thirst again showing off struck a pose before the anvil while casting side-glances towards Gervaise. He planted himself solidly, tapping his feet impatiently like a man ready for a fight, throwing all his strength into practice swings with the Ladelle. Mon Dieu, he was good at this. He could have flattened the Vendome column like a pancake. Now then, off you go, said Goujet, placing one of the pieces of iron as thick as a girl's wrist in the tool-hole. End of first part of chapter 6